Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. We're leaving out the theorizing and exploring this strange phenomenon of being a human and a therapist. I'm Kelly, licensed marriage and family therapist, working in private practice settings as a clinician and a clinical supervisor in the Denver metro area. And I'm Abby. I'm a licensed clinical social worker and the owner of a group practice in the Denver metro area. Kelly and I are both registered play therapists, supervisors, and EMDR certified. So we're both therapists, but this is not therapy. And we're both supervisors, but this is not supervision. This podcast is purely for fun. So for any ethical concerns on your caseload, please refer to your state laws and licensing boards. And please remember to follow The Whole Therapist on Instagram, Facebook, and subscribe on your favorite podcast listening station. For more resources, blogs, and consultation opportunities, visit wholetherapistinstitute.com. So come join our conversation while we explore the embodied experience of neuroscience and authenticity in the therapy room. Hi, welcome to the Whole Therapist Podcast. I'm Kelly. And I'm Abby. As always, we're excited to have you here today. We wanted to talk about play therapy. So this episode will be um, more geared towards play therapists and those who use play in Mm -hmm. their therapy. But we have a feeling that really this is going to resonate with um, therapists that really use any kind of modality, you know, EFT, EMDR. What we have found is we have kind of, we we were using the word evolved. And I don't know if it's evolved or just like transitioned, but I know for me, really the base of how I learned how to do play therapy was through synergetic play therapy. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is really all I used for a long time. And then I have kind of transitioned into other models, you know, so then I took a TheraPlay training and really used TheraPlay pretty heavily. Mm -hmm. I'm also a marriage and family therapist. And so I'm like really influenced by family therapy. And Mm -hmm. so I think even before Synergetic, I was just doing like a lot of family therapy with some of those like Lowenstein books you know, using EMDR. Yes. So sometimes I find myself, I will learn an approach and like use it yes. a lot. Um, but then I seem to just weave in mm. all of that as, as I've just kind of settled into all of them. Part of the evolving or the transitioning is being able to pull pieces when appropriate from different like theoretical frameworks or modalities. Mm-hmm. And part of that has got to come from experience. Yes. I will say when I think of play therapy as a whole, typically I think play therapists can be quite um, black and white. As much as we're in the therapist realm, there's these wars between directive or non-directive, right? Yes. Or like, yes. what are you, Adlerian? Mm-hmm. Like Child-centered? Like, yes, SPT. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's like a whole therapy, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think we get to play, to not have a pun, I guess, <laughs> play yeah. therapist, but we get to experiment with what resonates for us as the clinician and we probably should have a foundation theoretically that we operate from Mm -hmm. and we get to feel into with the client what is going to best serve them yeah and holding both of those feels like that comes with the experience Mm -hmm. of like what do i need what resonates with me and what does this client need what is or isn't resonating with them some of that is modality inspired. Yes, it absolutely is. And well, it goes back to, and I might have named it on an episode. I had a professor who said, don't fall in love with the sexy interventions, fall in love with these like theoretical underpinnings. Yes. And what I have found even with experiences for a long time, I was kind of grasping at things. Yeah. And when I have 
for me, this base of synergetic, I can always come back to that mm-hmm. if I start to flounder, mm-hmm. right? So I can like weave in this play and I can weave in this EMDR, but as things feel a little shaky, yeah, um, I can always stay regulated by coming back to whatever the base is for me. Yes. And over time, I have worked with families very differently for, you know, from when I first started to today. And, and even um, as I'm building my own practice, I'm starting to like work with people in different ways. Yes. And how exciting that we get to do that. Mm-hmm. Like we are not married forever to one way. Thank goodness. So we get to evolve in how we practice. And I do think that the foundation of IPNB or interpersonal neurobiology mm-hmm. in and of itself gives freedom to yes. being able to try new intervention or modality Mm -hmm. as appropriate yeah yeah well and even with that with the falling in love with these theoretical underpinnings it's if you can agree about the theory then you can have a relationship with that theory if you can have a relationship with that theory yes it will come out more naturally in your therapy work with clients I really love Robin's way of like follow, lead, follow. Yeah. It resonated so much with me when Robin Goebel said that at a training that we were both at mm-hmm. in the library, right? Yeah. Um, and I remember thinking like, yes, that's it. Because for me personally, child-centered um, is effective and not for every client who has such deep complex attachment wounds. Mm-hmm. There needs to be some leading and guiding after we've created in my orientation Mm -hmm. created safety yes but um to be pure adlerian um doesn't quite resonate for many of my clients either Um, yeah so to follow lead follow felt like in its essence what she said really encapsulates what we're talking about we get to create safety and then we can lead a little bit Mm -hmm. and then continue to follow them and like do this dance where we get to blend directive and non-directive Totally. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's what you and I were discussing earlier and what we're experiencing now um, when thinking about bringing parents into play therapy and having them there uh, when appropriate. And you also get to do that for them to model this like follow, lead, follow. Yes. Yeah. And I've always, I've had, I think you and I are having opposite experiences with how we're doing play therapy too, which is really interesting. Mm -hmm. Maybe we can chat about it. Krista Reichert is an amazing RPTS in Illinois, Mm -hmm. and she taught me play therapy out of grad school, my first job. So Mm -hmm. she's still a mentor and dear friend to me. And it was, I didn't know it, but quite Adlerian. And the systemic like family model approach, we worked with adoption preservation exclusively. Um, and the rule or like the kind of way, if there's enough safety, we always have the parents in the room. Mm-hmm. So we did EMDR, TheraPlay, and I've done that for years. Use this really systemic kind of family model lens because mm-hmm. I work with so much adoption, attachment, sexual abuse survivors. Mm-hmm. And it's not been until honestly the last year or so that I've gotten consultation from an adoptee therapist and a therapist of color Mm. so she's both i work with many transracial adoptees and to hear from this therapist that the adoptee really may need their own like there's value in working individually with the child Mm -hmm. even when there's attachment wounds because it's not safe with the white parent Mm. to truly ever talk at least in the beginnings about the whatever's coming up for them yes um, about their difference and so i feel 
there's something about the way that this consultant has talked with me about her lived experience Mm -hmm. and her expertise in the adoption realm Mm -hmm. and being a therapist of color that I've been able to hear it from her in ways that I could not from learning Mm -hmm. even eight years in the field, right. Of doing adoption Mm -hmm. work. And it's, it's kind of created this anxiety of, Oh my gosh, have I been doing this the wrong way? Hmm. These adoptees need their own therapist and a family therapist. Mm -hmm. But I don't know that bringing the parent in all the time is appropriate. Part of it feels evidence of my white privilege to assume that safety begins and ends with the things we've been taught by white men in the field, Mm. even in the realm of IPNB. Yeah. And to really deeply recognize, like, how can you know, a black or brown child's nervous system feels safe to explore racial identity with a white parent, is there really safety? Right. And it's just been, so all of that to say, and I don't know the answers to that, but all of that to say, it's been through consultation that it's really created like these, this question in me of like, do I need to work with this population a little bit differently in combination with that family therapist or the other therapist that's doing that dyadic work of TheraPlay mm-hmm. while I am just the child's therapist. Because normally TheraPlay would say no. Right. They're very all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And they're not taught by the lived experience of a therapist. Right. Who is a black or brown therapist or who's an adoptee or, right? And so I think there's something around that that feels like really relevant to evolving being able to ask myself these questions and like hold the dysregulation of, oh my gosh, do I have to do something different again? Mm-hmm. And exciting. Like, oh, I, maybe I get to try a different way now that I have like added mentorship. Mm-hmm. Like what I had is exactly what I needed and I still meet with Krista and mm-hmm. I get to meet with this other mentor and I get to experiment with both. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just smiling and thinking about our you know, most recent episode a couple of ago, the both and mm. that you're not letting go of the family system work that you know needs to be done. Yes. You've just added an and. Yeah. Right? They yes. have family therapy and they have an individual therapist. They yes. get to have both. They're not we're not gonna not have them do that. Now they just get both. Yes. Have you not felt as an LCSW, I feel like I have really fought against that rigidity mm-hmm. that no offense to counselors, mm-hmm. but I feel like sometimes in different, like a licensed professional counselor, or clinical counselor might be listening and thinking like, well, duh, you need to have these really boundaried mm-hmm. children have their own therapist and there's a family therapist and there's a parent coach mm-hmm. and it feels very distinct. And so I think there's even a part of me that has always fought against some of those, of course, within ethics, mm-hmm. but using a systemic lens as a social worker it's always been so easy for me to do like the dyadic work with a parent and child and maybe some individual sessions with the child for assessment Yes, and the parent coaching because mm-hmm. like the relationship is my client. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting to come back to something that maybe like a clinical counselor has already known. Mm. I don't know. I just reckon, I just recognize that. Yeah. I, I think I, resonate with what you're saying, but I'm having a different experience in that I've actually had maybe a lot of shame. So in the time that I was trained as a family therapist, it was very much, you have everybody that you can get in the room. If you can get cousins and aunts and uncles, you get everybody you can in the room and wow. that's how you do it. Or if you set up an appointment and one member doesn't come and you had told them that mm. that person comes, then you don't do the therapy. Oh, wow. And I... 
I just never, I never did it that way. And so always felt like, well, am I really a family therapist? Hmm. Um, or, you know, I didn't want to not do therapy if one person couldn't come. Yeah. So it never sat well with me. And it actually was recently I was doing consultation with Marshall Lyles mm. and he was like, yeah, like back in the day, that's what we were taught as marriage and family therapists is that we let the families duke it out in the therapy room. Yes. And that's really what I was taught. And he's like, and now we know better. We know that what we get to say is we can't do this really deep, safe work that needs to happen when people keep hurting each other. Yes. And so everybody has to get their own therapist to develop the safety and the regulation to be able to come back and stop hurting each other. Right. Or at least, you know, not hurting each other as badly as it's happening. Sure. And that had been so helpful for me to hear because Hmm. I think I stopped doing a lot of family work because I was like, I don't know. There's just something about sometimes when all of these people are in the room, it doesn't feel like they should all be in the room. Yeah. And now it does. It feels great. I'm either like, I'm the family therapist. We need to get you an individual. Yes. Or I'm an individual therapist and we need to find you a family therapist. Yes. But both need to happen right. in most systems. Yes. Right? Yes. I, there's very few clients that I have where that doesn't all need to happen. Of course. And the one thing I really loved is when you and I went to that training with Anna Gomez and she said, yeah. She's like, I mean, I used to do it all. I was the individual therapist, the family therapist, the couple therapist, the parent coach. And at that time, she said, I had to do it. It was a setting I was in. She's like, and now I have an institute and we don't do that all. Everyone has their own person. Yeah. And I'm recognizing that like when I was trained, it was in an agency where there was not this luxury. Mm-hmm. Like there was not. And right. so you had to do more. I also think it gets messy with attachment work because depending on who you're listening to, uh, I think some people would say the relationship is your client. Right. But I have this renowned, incredible consultant, Shetra, Dr. Word Liker, mm-hmm. um, who would say that's not safe for the transracial adoptee. That the relationship can't be your client yet unless a child has a safe place of their own to process racial identity while the parent processes their impact mm. on that. And then exactly like you're saying, so it, it almost feels like as we begin to more deeply understand whatever system or client, um, prioritizing safety has these deepening layers beyond modality. Mm-hmm. That feels really relevant to IPNB. Absolutely. Yes. I mean, that's right. That's yeah. the base of it. And it's somebody who says safety is the treatment. Yeah. Dr. Borges or Robin Gold. Yeah. And that feels like a helpful compass. So even for me currently, I'm like, oh my goodness, I think I need to be really thoughtful about how I'm working with specifically transracial adoptees and these families. Mm -hmm. And safety is the treatment. Well, the other thing I'm smiling about is, again, another training you and I have both done (laughs) is this um, PAC model, parent, adult, child, EMDR protocol. Yes, Deb Wasserman and Ann Potter. Mm -hmm. And that's exactly what you're doing. You're creating a safe place for the child with your individual therapy. And that's what, when we're working with adults, we have to create a safe place for their child parts because they didn't get those. You're giving that to that kid so they actually don't, as an adult, need to create a safe place. Yeah. It's really cool. It's making me think of nesting dolls again. Oh, yes. You and I share a similar love for 
getting into this the family system like before the child gets too big mm-hmm. like i think that's why we love the itty bitties yes because if their nervous system can heal at three mm-hmm it will continue to need to heal. They live in that family. Right. They will need therapy periodically, but like, goodness, let's integrate and heal at three or two and a half. Yeah. Before eight, before 19, mm-hmm. before they come at 42, right? And mm-hmm. it's making me think of those nesting dolls that like these little parts live within us now. Yeah. yeah. I mean, at age three, you've only got a few little parts that are living yes. within you. Yes. Right. But by age 53, right. 63. Yeah. And I think that's the heart of why I'll never stop working with kids in some capacity. Totally. Yeah. It feels very hopeful. Some people will say, how do you work with kids? Aren't you so depressed Mm. all the time? You know, trauma and kids. And I'm thinking it's literally the opposite. Adults can feel more depressing. (laughs) Yeah. And I think what I like with working with kids is you do have to work with adults. Yes. And I love seeing all of them together, like just see them all grow. Right. Like you don't just see the kid grow. You see the parents and and then the third piece, you see the relationship change and grow. Right. So it's a like I, them yeah. and then us. Yeah. I don't know what the. Yes. But yeah, it's just neat to see the whole thing. We are you and I are in different spots. Right. Because now I am moving more towards like, actually, I really do want to bring like the parents in more often. And for a long time, I wasn't bringing them in. Mm. And so I've had, again, some shame about that. Like, well, what does that mean? Like, why am I seeing a three-year-old by itself? Like, that doesn't make mm-hmm. any sense. But I'm just, like, transitioning into trying something new that, like, fits for me. And again, if it fits for me, there's safety in me. There's safety for the client. Right. And then there's treatment yes. and healing. Yeah. Like, there's room for all of that. Mm-hmm feels really um, freeing to not be held so tightly by this rigidity. Mm-hmm. I will say too, like the more that I've healed my own, and that's always ongoing for all of us, mm-hmm. but the more that I have healed my own like little girl that lives inside at, at varying stages, mm-hmm. the more I have loved working with parents in the room, out of the room, little people in general. Mm-hmm. I remember going to the TheraPlay training. You did it in person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember going, and this is when Krista was my supervisor, and being so freaked out. People are blowing feathers in my face, putting (laughs) lotion on my hands, and I was like, what is happening? It was so intrusive. I didn't know how to tolerate that kind of nurture, and it put me in my own really good therapy really fast Mm. doing this kind of work. And, uh, And you would never know, because here I am eight years later, and I love it. Yeah, Like, I love the deep really intimate, vulnerable nurture between mom and child or dad and child. And it's just so incredible when you witness parents that can yes, and the child that can receive. Mm -hmm. But I was flooded by that years ago, even just experientially doing the training Mm -hmm. myself. So I think the more that we grow, the more we get to delight in what we authentically like want to do. Well, yeah. And I think you're speaking to, there's just also some grief sometimes related to that. I know um, in the synergetic play therapy certification, I also became flooded and there was a group of us that talked about, man, like what would my life have been like had I had an SPT therapist, yes. you know? And I thought that in the therapy yes. thing, like, gosh, what would my life have been like had I gotten access to therapy at this oh. age? And then I know maybe for you, but other parents in those trainings would share like, 
man, I wish I would have known this before my kid was 14. Sure. But as my uh, wonderful therapist just recently told me, <laughs> I mean, we just couldn't possibly have done it any other way yeah. with the, the skills and the life experiences that we have. And that goes for also being a therapist, yeah. right? I'm hearing you talk like, gosh, what did I do with these transracial adoptees? And, and did I mess it up? And I have no doubt that whatever safety was in the room um, supported them. I'm sure that you saw progress. Yeah. Now you know a better way of doing it and you might get deeper healing, but you couldn't have done it any differently. Yes. Yeah. And there's like, I can just feel myself like take an exhale. Like that's true for mm-hmm. all of us. So maybe as you're listening, think back to a time when you worked with a client or had an interaction with a parent, maybe you're a play therapist listening, you mm-hmm. know, and you hold some shame about that. And I, and I wonder if we can, whether it's like access curiosity or self-compassion. Mm-hmm. Or maybe ask yourself, how old does the shame feel? Yeah. Yeah. Like just being with it. Mm-hmm. And to repeat your therapist's words, like there's no other way you could have done it in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and we, get to, we get to grow now and do it differently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we just love being with you in it right now. 